Welcome to Necessity. I'm Lindsay Jackson. And I'm Marguerite Pierce. I know I am exhausted from just last weekend. I took Savannah and one of her her BFF, as she likes to put it, took her BFF apple picking. And I thought this was just going to be so smooth. It was going to be so fun. You know, we were going to do a picnic while we were out there apple picking. So we had our food. We had a chalkboard to play Pictionary. Everything was going to be great until it was time to actually pick apples, right? Because then it was too kids wanting to climb trees, wanting to pick every apple and every, look at this apple. Well, how come she has more apples than me? Well, that was my bag. Well, how come, well, I want to carry my bag. And I thought, how in the world do people have more than one child? How do they do it? How do they do it? Do you know how they do it? I don't, I don't. And even, you know, just listening to that, I'm like, okay, that sounds like a handful. And I just the other day, you know, Simone was in the living room and she was playing and she just like randomly said, hey, mommy, I want a brother. And I was like, okay, well, I want a million dollars. Like, I mean, you know, what, what do I really say to that? I didn't say that to her, but right. I said, oh, okay. Um, well, that's nice to know. Mommy will think about it, you know, because my plan has always been that I'm going to give myself until 40 to really give a definitive answer on having a second child. Um, so I just turned 37 in August. So I have, you know, three more years to figure that out. And, you know, by that time, what Simone will be seven. And so that's a pretty big gap. And I know for you, like Savannah's eight, right? So mm -hmm. for you to have an infant with an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old, yeah. How does that really look? How's that going to play out? I don't know how it looks, but I know how it sounds. It sounds crazy and I anticipated feeling just as crazy. You know, I mean, as you know, we just got a dog, you know, so right. caring for the dog that lasted for about a week. She begged at least two years for the dog. Of course. Got the dog, the excitement, the thrill. The novelty of the dog wore off. Wore off in a week. We're now in our like fourth month, you know? Um, so I don't know about having another baby, but there are women out there who are so brave and so courageous uh, to, to choose to do so, um, despite knowing those challenges that, that can come about. Like I think of Christy Teigen. And so her and John Legend already have a kid, right? They have two. They have two. Yeah. Right, a little girl and a little boy. Yeah. Okay. And then they were with child now with their third one and she mm -hmm. child and posted it on social media. And I remember just people having so much to say about it, you know, yeah. which that, that's private. Right. You know? Right. Um, but I think, you know, I think it was powerful for her to do that. Um, to kind of be able to bring, put the spotlight on, you know, pregnancy loss and, and miscarriages and, and things that are, um, have been thought of as being taboo mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, experiences that women have been suffering with in silence to, to 
question is, is that the right way to handle this? Um, and October is pregnancy loss and infant loss awareness month. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's fitting to be curious about all of this and want to have a discussion about just all that's involved with bringing new life into the world. Yeah, and we're fortunate enough to have two women who are really brave and courageous and vulnerable and ready to share that story with our listeners. Yep, so we have Ebony Thomas and Jade Kearney to join us, and we touched on a lot of different aspects, so we hope that you enjoy this fruitful conversation. All right. So uh, we would like to first ask Jade, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everyone. My name is Jade Kearney. I am the founder of She Matters. And She Matters is an online, offline community geared towards Black women who experience postpartum anxiety and or depression. I'm also a mommy, about to be a mommy for the second time, and an all-around hustler from Jersey. So, hey. All right, Jersey on the line. (laughs) And we also have Ebony Thomas joining us today. Ebony, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, guys. My name is Ebony Thomas. Um, Known as the Alchemistress, uh, I'm a creator in many different ways, plant enthusiast, painter, tarot card reader. I'm a, also about to be a mom for the sixth time. <laughs> I have five girls and one boy, um, and I recently contributed artwork to the art of birthing, which kind of brings awareness to uh, maternal disparities. Uh, between the African-American and other communities. So the uh, proceeds were donated to uh, train birth professionals um, to assist in that capacity to to kind of do what we can to close that gap. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Ebony. Welcome, Jade. Um, we'll be sure to include their contact info and how you can stay in touch with both of them in our show notes. But I think to kick things off, I think um, where we wanted to start is with pregnancy in general. Like the moment you find out, um, a lot of medical professionals and doctors uh, suggest that you keep the news, you know, close to the heart, like close to home. You don't share it um, widely um, until you're through that first trimester, right? Because they think that if you, once you get past that threshold, it's um, less likely that you'll lose the pregnancy. So the first question I wanted to ask to both of you and Ebony, I can start with you, is did you adhere to that? And why or why not? Sure. Um, I, you know, I'm born and raised in New Orleans. So, being being that I am a tad superstitious, so outside of what the health professionals say, 
Um, I kind of keep that information close um, for other reasons. I think I didn't announce this pregnancy until I was um, outside of that time. Um, but I think uh, most of the time they say they recommend for you to do that just in case you experience pregnancy loss then you're not really put on the spot or you don't really have to talk about it if you don't want to. I think even if um, I would have experienced that within that time and no one knew I was pregnant, I still would have actually shared um, just because I, I do believe in and live by transparency. And I think that's the way we, we help each other by being transparent in our struggle. So I definitely did keep it close to my heart for different reasons. Um, but yeah. Right. For you, Jade. Um, with my first baby, this is my second. With my first baby, I think that um, I kept it kind of close, just my best friend and um, like my immediate family. I'm the oldest of eight, so that gets pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but I didn't tell a lot of people. Um, just for for a number of reasons, I was I was scared. I was anxious. It wasn't planned. Um, this time I told everybody and I felt like um, I told everybody early on because um, I needed support. Uh, I was going through a serious transition when I found out that I was pregnant and whether there was loss or whether we were blessed was like where we are right now. I, mm -hmm. I needed to experience a uh, first trimester with my support system. So um, I think it's weird for people to dictate when when you should rely on support or especially medical professionals, because I would think that the hardest trimester for me is the first one. And so I have hypermesis and, um, not, not being vulnerable and not expressing to people what I'm dealing with creates, um, creates a, a place for me where I'm not being supported. So, um, this time I definitely said what I needed to say because my hypermesis was actually worse. And, um, and it's just like it's COVID and I want it to be transparent, but also because no one dictates for me when I say what I say. And the first time I didn't need as much support because my life was in a different space. But this time I definitely needed my girls and I changed jobs. So I had to talk about, I think we were, I, uh, we were in the middle of an accelerator, Marguerite. Yeah. And um, I had a big demand on my life just 24 seven. And so She Matters was really taken off. So I had to be, you know, She Matters was about, Black women who experience postpartum anxiety and depression. So I had to take care of me by being transparent. And it's interesting, right? Because you have practice here where your first one, you just hold on to that and keep it close to your heart. And then the second one, having this awareness about what support you needed, right? And just kind of like taking ownership in your own power to say, hey, no one's going to dictate when I'm going to share this news. I know what I need and I'm going to vocalize that. So can get what I need, right? And it's for the betterment of everybody, right? The people who are in my household, so I don't lose it on you, right? The betterment for right. the child that I'm carrying because I'm carrying that energy and they're going to feel that as well, you know? And then just also for myself. I think about, for me, there was a time when I was in college and I must have been a sophomore in college and I went to the doctor and the doctor told me I was pregnant. And I was like, what? I'm going to go and tell my mother this. I'm in college. There's just no way. My boyfriend at the time was like 11 years older than me. 
no judgment, right? But um, I didn't want to tell anyone, but yeah, I wanted to tell someone. And I had to, of course, tell my mother because I was afraid. I didn't know what I was going to do. There was no way I could keep it secret from her. But I remember trying to decide who I was going to tell and what if I decide not to keep this baby? What if I decide to keep it and I lose the baby? What will I have to experience by having to tell this to people over and over? And I mean, I even know someone who lost their child um, and having people come up to her and just say, how's your son? How's your son? And to have to re-experience that loss or even that that sentence you have to say over and over again. Um, so I can see why the doctors say, hey, don't do it because like mentally, psychologically, that's really traumatic to have to do that over and over. But then there's another side that says, hey, I'm going through this and I need support and I just can't keep this in because doctors say that it's not best, right? Yeah, I think like hearing you, you know, um, talk about that, I think it's, you know, when you put yourself out there, I think it, minimizes people you people asking you about it right because they would have known right so it kind of takes a little bit of that away from you having to kind of relive the experience by telling people for the first time over Mm -hmm. and over um Mm -hmm. and then to to jade's point like i think in terms of your community and your support system i think it's important to not you know, suffer in silence. So that transparency and the vulnerability um, would allow you to have a a stronger support system. Like if people knew, okay, you know, I'm, you know, three weeks or four weeks pregnant and then, you know, God forbid something happens, those people are there to support you and and lift you up. Mm -hmm. I just can't even imagine what it's like for young people who are pregnant, moms, and if they don't have that support system, it's just really stressful to be an adult, to be mature, to be educated and be pregnant. I can't imagine what it is to be a young person who doesn't have that same amount of education, stress management or support um, to go through a pregnancy. So having a support system is just so important. And that's why being transparent is so important, because then you realize, one, you're not in it alone. And number two, you can lean right into that community community and say, I'm struggling or I need help. Um, there's too many times where we're struggling as women all in secrecy, you know, from whatever that experience may be. So you all, to me, are brave, right? Brave and bold and courageous uh, because... You have, you're about to have more than one child. I mean, Ebony, my hat just goes off to you. You got a whole tribe going on. You're about to have a six tribe member get, you know, ordained into the, <laughs> into the group. And Jade, you're having uh, your second child. What are, um, what motivates you to do that knowing that it can be rough? that it can be a struggle, that you can be stressed, that there could be some difficulties? How do you still just say yes to bringing in a new soul into this world? Ebony, uh, how about for you? Well, I even, even when I was younger, I always wanted six kids. 
um, because I used to see like the Cosby show and, you know, we got, we got Rudy, we got Vanessa, we got Denise and just all the different personalities. And I just thought it would be, um, awesome to, for me to be in a position to help, um, that many little people, uh, you know, come up in the world and, and do whatever they were going to do. I thought I was done after four. And then we had MJ and then here we go again, because I only have one son. I'm pregnant for number six, but I have the majority daughters. Um, mm-hmm. So we thought we were going to try for another boy. And I tell people all the time, the joke I make is once you have to make two sandwiches, a third, a fourth, a fifth sandwich, that's not really going to make that big of a difference once you already got the loaf of bread out, basically. So it didn't really, it didn't really matter to me if we had another one or if we had another one, but I don't think I could go again because. <laughs> being you mean you couldn't go for number seven? I can't go for number seven because being pregnant in your thirties is a way different experience than being pregnant, whether it's in your mid twenties, late twenties, your body is just different. So, um, so yeah, this would be it. But I always thought it would be fascinating. Then I look at it as a continuation of my legacy. I'm big into ancestry. I have lots of pictures of six, seven, eight generations back in our home. So, you know, this is my legacy, you know, the kids. So right. that's part of the reason. So it's like for you, it's about lineage, right? And then it yes. seems like it's also your effort to provide a service and not just a service to the little people, but also the service to the world because of yes. raising yeah. be pouring into the world. So the, how you serve is just ongoing as well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Okay. All right. I don't know if that's motivate, motivation enough for me. <laughs> nice. What about for you, Jade? What was that motivation and that push for you? Um, to go ahead and have baby number two. Baby number two wasn't planned. Okay. So, <laughs> um, baby, uh, most of my closest friends all have one child. We mm-hmm. all had our kids in our, like, I guess it would be like mid, early to mid. We're, I guess we're all mid 30s now. So I felt like, oh, I'm in a really good place with my one child because for the longest, I thought it would be difficult for me to have children. Um, just different things that have happened to me with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so I always looked at uh, being as like this golden child, right? Like you are, you are living proof that miracles do happen. And I don't want to test the waters with trying again, because this, this person, this being that came to us was so perfect. So why shoot my shot again? Like that's just, that's how I felt. And so um, when I found out I was pregnant, I was just in the middle um, with Marguerite of launching our business and uh, doing press and things picking up and graduated from NYU with my master's in digital media design for learning and my baby was just getting out of diapers and I was like sad and I was, I was actually sad because I had a postpartum anxiety and um, and I had postpartum anxiety and I had a hypermesis so my pregnancy and preeclampsia so my pregnancy was really difficult. And so from the moment I found out, I actually found out because I was nauseous. I was, I was kind of bummed out. I was like, yo, like, this is not my plan. Like, I plan on doing this other thing. Like, why is this happening right now? And we had, uh, my fiance and I had talked about 
having another baby. But like later, like when I'm 37, 38, I'm 36 right now, um, because so much was going on. And I'm just like, I really, I really don't know why this is happening now. This is like the most inconvenient time. And um, I had to, re- I'm Buddhist, I had to really sit with myself and chant and cry it out with my best friend and realize that it's not my time, but it's God's time. And so the benefit that I received um, in being able to have this pregnancy uh, during COVID, I've been able to be home so I can throw up all day for my house. I don't have to leave the house and, and, and I can be, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on Skype or Zoom. So people don't really see what's going on. So I'm able to kind of um, take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And so that is the benefit. Now, now I'm excited. Now I'm excited. It's just, I was excited as soon as I heard her heartbeat. Um, I'm having another girl. I didn't know it was a girl at first. But um, I, I, I wanted a girl. I chanted for a girl. Um, a big part of it was being worried and fear. And um, that's not how I live my life. So I actually now embrace the fact that I am pregnant and that I'm a businesswoman and that the curveball was thrown. But it, it is the best time to kind of go through a pregnancy given what we don't have to do right now. So, right. Right. yeah. I mean, you bring up some really good points, especially around mindset, you know, because your Buddhist is a part of your practice, right? And you're able to do things to get yourself into a more uh, focused uh, mindset. But I'm like, the mindset for pregnancy, the mindset before you're pregnant, you got to have it intact because then once those hormones hormones are kicking in, man, your mindset can get switched like no other, you know? Um, and it's a transition, right? To be excited and scared and then nervous and then excited all over again and then scared half to death. I mean, my kid is eight. I still go through the same thing. Excited, scared, really excited. That Like, what the freak, you know? Uh, that was yeah. just this morning, you know? So it's, 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 it's admirable, you know, for sure, to, to say yes, whether it was on purpose or not, you know? Um, it is such a gift um, to give life into this world. And when you talk about, you know, mindset, I guess I'm just, you know, curious of just how things are during pregnancy when you have other children, right? Like the first pregnancy, you kind of, you know, you and your partner, like if you don't have any um, previous children, it's a little bit of a different landscape. And you talk about mindset and I'm just curious how your wellness equation um, changes um, from pregnancy to pregnancy? Well, um, I think the hardest time was being pregnant and actually taking care of little kids still um, because they're so dependent on you and you are just barely hanging on. Mostly for the first trimester, you're just, you just barely have enough energy for yourself. I think with the first, the very first pregnancy, um, I am, <laughs> I can specifically remember uh, throwing fits at work. 
uh, because <laughs> me taking care of myself has always been top priority, even when I was younger. And I remember telling my manager that, you know, I really don't need this job, right? <laughs> and I was really serious. I was like, you're going to find something for me to do, something that I can be comfortable with, or I can go home. It's one or the other. And I'm fortunate that I'm always in a position where people actually kind of like me so I can get away with that. Um, <laughs> but that was that was my attitude with number one. And that was my attitude. Um, with the last one, and that is my exact same attitude now because um, it is it is a great work just to be pregnant. And even if you're outside of your first trimester, like right now I'm 26 weeks, but I get winded. You know, I'm mm -hmm. winded just walking and different things like that. I'm fortunate now that I have older children. My oldest daughter is 15. The youngest is three. I have so many helping hands that it's, I mean, at one point my son, he would text me at three o'clock in the morning to make sure I didn't need a snack or something to drink. So that's, that's a plus for having a lot of kids. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, come to think of it. I actually I am thirsty. Snack, and I actually am thirsty. So I think it's, Society would try to make you feel guilty um, because as a woman was supposed to do it all, you have to work. You got to be able to, um, you know, put forth this superhero thing. And even while you're pregnant, you have to you can't be weak or whatever, whatever they want you to believe. But um, I don't really subscribe to that. And whether I'm pregnant or not, I reserve the right to take care of myself. So, I mean, that's just what it basically boils down to, uh, because you, you have to be that committed to to yourself and to your baby. You know, things change once the baby is born. Um, you have your energy back. You can kind of get back involved in everything. But um, in the meantime, you have to you have to be your first priority. And I think I've always been pretty good about that. Yeah, so it sounds like you're huge on establishing boundaries, and it's it's crazy that you mentioned that because just this morning um, I was texting with Jade, and I I literally told her I said, you know, your most powerful weapon is no, and like full stop, like to just say no to a lot of things, um, uh, no explanation, exactly, just full stop, no, no, yeah, exactly, right. and I think that goes like not just pregnant women but women in general and black women specifically just saying no and not taking on the world so jade the same question for you like what how have you expanded on or or changed like your wellness equation in terms of you know how to keep yourself grounded um being pregnant or not being pregnant well it's really difficult because my daughter's not even three so <laughs> I have right. a toddler, you know, um, I have a toddler We're in COVID. She does go to school, but I'm always, you know, uh, dealing with that, um, that stress of if she sniffles or if she sneezes, did I make the right decision? Um, did we make the right decision? And um, just being sick. So I had a lot of guilt in the beginning, of course, um, because of how much I throw up. And uh, mm -hmm. you know how much I throw up. But I mean, I, I throw up upwards of 12 times a day. Um, with medication, it kind of reduces it to like three times a day. And, um, but I'm nauseous all day. 
So just not being able to, like, smelling something and throwing up in front of her and her screaming more. Like, there was, like, there was a, there was a lot of that. And so I felt just really guilty. I felt guilty that I, I used to drop my daughter off at school every morning. And, and I had to, we had to unload that onto my, my fiance. Like, now you're doing it. And I had to be okay with that being, that being done. Like, that's what he's here for, right? Um, and not trying to do everything and be everything for her at, in the moment and knowing that I do have a partner, I do have a fiance, um, we do have help in the house and, um, she's not missing anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to get out of my mind of, I need to do all this and be all this. And, and I had a moment like this yesterday, last year, she's my only, right. It was her first school Halloween. I got her costume like a month early. I was so excited and this year I'm like oh my god I didn't order a costume from Etsy I'm such a bad mom and uh my fiance actually said like yo you be throwing up you have two jobs you have a business like she's okay like even if we go to the costume store on the 125th street she'll be all right and that that took me a moment to think like yo like I put all these expectations in my mind mm. not him not being you know what I'm saying? I'm Maria. No, 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 nobody but me. So, um, again, it all goes back to the self, right? Like, am I taking care of myself? Am I doing the things I need to do for myself? And one thing uh, that I think, like you said, pregnant or not, no is very powerful. Or saying, like, I need to be alone right now. Like, my hormones are not that bad when I'm pregnant. I feel like my hormones are more up and down when I'm not pregnant and that made me do to like I really feel that way because I have mental illness so like when I'm not pregnant my hormones aren't as regulated right, right. so um I feel more roller coastery around my period than I do pregnant but what I have noticed that happens to me is when I am pregnant my feelings are deep right like they're really really deep like you can really hurt my feelings um and I don't necessarily cry, but I take things to heart a bit more um, because I'm in this vulnerable place, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you should care. Like, and so there are expectations there as well. So I put things out on people and I put things on myself when I really feel like um, the best thing right now for me to do is just go inward and focus on uh, the peace that I need for my babies to come out healthy and for me to have a healthy birth. And for me to continue to have a healthy pregnancy. And so that peace can only be cultivated in myself. You know what I mean? And and that and whether being and whether being doesn't wear the flyers outfit to school because yes, I am a trip. You know, today and her hair, you know, her cornrows are a little are a little um what what is it called? Like they're a little they're a little messy. It's okay. And I need to be okay with that right now. Yeah. You know, you bring up, you know, mental health and I feel like that's another thing that has been uh, put into the case of secrets, right? When you're pregnant and then even when you're when you're now postpartum. Um, I feel as though with mental health challenges while you're pregnant, it's even more difficult especially if you haven't even managed those challenges beforehand, whether it's through medication, through talk therapy, whatever it might be. But if you haven't even had a clear understanding of what your challenges are and then you go to become pregnant, I feel like that's even more uh, 
crazy. And I use the word crazy because it feels crazy on the inside. It's not even really crazy, but in your mind, that's what you feel like in your body. That's what it feels like. I know for me, when I was pregnant, I didn't know that I was struggling um, until I would play a certain song and I found myself crying. I would find myself making myself the main character of this song and then found myself listening to nothing but sad songs. So it was like Donny Hathaway and I'm just like, oh, I. And I really didn't have any true real reasons in those moments, but I felt like I did. Um, and I really didn't have anywhere to go to to pour that uh, pour that out. No one knew what I was struggling with. I barely knew. I barely had the words. Um, and Jade, I know that you have She Matters. So what what advice, I think, as a, as a professional um, and someone who experiences it personally, what advice or direction do you give a woman pregnant but also struggling with some mental health uh, challenges? Um, the first thing is to uh, do a self-evaluation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do I feel like this every day, right? Do I feel like, do I feel like this once a week? Because sometimes it is just anxiety or stress for the day and it's not chronic, but if it's regular, if it's every day, then my first thing is always talk to a professional. Um, because in our community, talking to our friends, our family, we are built to, um, or we've built ourselves to deal with an exorbitant amount of stress. So sometimes when we go to each other, what we find is you're tough, you can handle this, you're okay. You really might not be okay. And you don't need that reinforcement that right now you can do it. You need to make sure that you, that you actually are okay and seek help professionally. Whether that is like a better help or, um, or a She Matters app that's coming soon where you connect with a therapist that you feel comfortable with and to talk it out. Now, I think once you're there and you talk it out with someone who can really help you engage like where you are, is this chronic? Is this, you know, is this, uh, what is it? Peripartum, prepartum? Um, are you going in? Cause it's not close until you have the baby, right? right. So are you having, uh, I guess it'll be peripartum depression or prepartum depression, um, during your pregnancy? And what does that look like afterwards? And um, really working to get the resources and the information that you need so you can make the best decisions for you and your baby and your family, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that can be done through She Matters, whether that's um, going to our resources page or reading um, about our events or watching our past events or connecting with a therapist through us. But I always say the first thing is the self-reflection and self-evaluation. Because you know yourself better than anybody else. And if you're honest with yourself, then you can really start to heal from that place. Yeah, I love even how you say, and you emphasized on it, right? Whether intentional or not, but being honest with yourself, right? And so self-evaluation to not allow those voices, right? If I could say those voices to pop in to tell you that what you're evaluating now is not true or it's not okay. So let's say that okay, I am sad. But then I hear that voice that says, no, you'll be fine or you make it through. Well, you went to work that day, so it doesn't count. And so then that self-evaluation becomes um, influenced by those thoughts 
and really belong to other people's beliefs, other people's expectations. And so that self-evaluation, I think, even takes training to do because that honest piece is the challenge. We've been so conditioned uh, to justify our actions, to discount our emotions, um, and not really give that true value to what we think, what we feel, and what we need. So I love that it's an honest self-evaluation is where we need to start. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So I'm starting to think about, like, there's just a lot, right? Like, it just sounds like there's a lot of challenges or a lot to navigate. Um, and I, I think we would be remiss not to spend some time and pay some attention to um, the maternal mortality rate when it comes to Black women who are pregnant um, and how we are, you know, two to three times likely to die because of childbirth. And wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on, you know, having that be our reality and still, you know, going through with being pregnant and how you combat that or how you uh, not allow that to consume you mentally and emotionally. Um, you know, what are your thoughts surrounding that and the and really the state of our medical profession and healthcare system? Uh, Ebony, you can take that first. Well, I don't think that I weigh it that much when considering if I'm going to have a baby or, or being pregnant or, um, but it is our reality right now. I have gestational diabetes. Uh, this is the first pregnancy that I've had to experience that. Um, so I didn't understand how fickle diabetes was or is, you know, a number of different things can impact your blood sugars. Um, and if you have um, gestational diabetes, you are then at increased risk for preeclampsia, which puts you at increased risk for mortality and different things like that. I am fortunate enough to have a team of African-American health professionals. Um, so when I bring up a concern, because I brought my concerns to my employer, because I also... Um, I daylight as a school bus driver um, when my kids were going to school, they're homeschooled right now, um, just so I could spend that extra time with them. But I brought my concerns to my supervisor and they were like, oh, well, um, we like you to work until work until you pop, basically, <laughs> that's what they said. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, really? Work until you pop, huh? Okay, whatever. Um, so being a school bus driver, you have to work up, wake up at 4 a.m to get that bus ready for the children. Um, decrease in sleep impacts your uh, blood sugars. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not getting enough sleep because I have to work, then my blood sugars are out of whack. Um, I am going to push myself in the direction of needing insulin and different things like that. So we just live in a society where people are not really sensitive to the needs of women and, and especially not black women. I think mm -hmm. they took some type of poll where they asked the doctors and they actually believed that black people felt less pain yeah. um, somehow than everybody else. 
So when I showed my sugar logs to my doctors, because I have all black doctors, um, they say, well, what do you need us to do? I need you to write me something saying I cannot work because I cannot mm. work right now. You know, mm. and they were like, OK, well, that's that's what you're going to get. So I don't have to work right now. My sugars are impeccable. I don't have to worry about being on insulin. If I did, then that would be fine. That would be something totally different. But because of my family history with diabetes, if I cross that threshold and I have to get put on insulin, then I'm basically guaranteeing that at some point in the future, I'm going to get type mm. 2 diabetes. Mm. So it's really me not working is really has to, I have to futurize it in that way. Um, and I think that a lot of the times we are not able to do that. You know, I've been a single mom before, so I can think of a time where I wouldn't be able to afford to say, hey, you know what, this is impacting me in a way that's going to put me um, at risk in my future, you know, and I would just have to keep doing what I have to do, you know, for the sake of my family. So I think about us that are not in those positions um, to do that. And I think that plays a really big part in um, and what we experience related to uh, mortality and, and infant mortality. Um, I, I wouldn't know how, w what direction we needed to go in with, um, with fixing that because it's easy to say, it's kind of elitist to say, oh girl, put your health first. When mm -hmm. I, I know on the other side of that, you know, some people just, it's just not really an option, you know, so. What about for you, Jade? As you think about the mortality rate amongst um, African-American women who give birth, yeah. Um, it was something that was on my mind from the moment I found out I was pregnant with being, being is my first. Um, being that I was older, you know, I, got, I was 32 when I got pregnant with Bean and um, had read all about preeclampsia and have um, family members that have had it. And um, I, like I said, I'm the oldest of eight. My mom never went to the doctor, literally. Mm -hmm. I know that's crazy, but she never did. So I didn't really have, I didn't have like a, a conversation about uh, maternal health. This is just something that came up through my life, through reading and through waiting and through researching, right? And um, I actually I actually had a black doctor in left because I felt like from day one, she treated me so black. She treated me like I already had preeclampsia from day one. I mean, Marge, I must have been, what, four weeks? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have preeclampsia. And she kept saying, well, you're prone to preeclampsia. She kept giving me vaginal checks. And I didn't know that that was not supposed to be happening until Marge and my cousin told me, well, why are you getting vaginal checks up to 26 weeks? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I felt so violated in her office. And here I thought that I was safe. So I went to, um, I went to, what is it called? It's called hypnobirthing. And the woman there, she was white. And um, I told her just off top, like, you know, I know I'm the only black person in here. And I just really want to know hypnobirthing. I'm not expecting to learn anything about being black. And I really learned a lot about being a black mother in that room. And she wow. begged me not to have my daughter in New York. She said, Jade, please don't have your daughter in New York. You're four times more likely to die. And she's four times more likely to die. Wow. And I lived in Jersey, but um, I worked in New York. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, yeah, just 
not not even on a natural national scale because I've al- I've always had such a problem with it. Um, and my stepdaughter just went through this in Long Island, so I'm very well versed in this. But when it came to me, I I thought nationally, right? In Texas and in, in New Orleans, and I've lived in New Orleans and seen what happens there in um, rural Mississippi, things like that. But to know just right here in the city, so many things were taken away from me. Like I couldn't choose whether or not I wanted to get this certain vaccine. I wouldn't have my own room and I was four times more likely to die. So she put me in contact with a doctor whom I love, who is my doctor right now. He is a Jewish man. And the first thing my fiance and I said when we went in there was, we don't trust the system because of the numbers. I was, I was at a doctor's office. She was black. I felt like from day one, she thought I was going to have preeclampsia and that my, my pregnancy was going to be an emergency. I haven't been able to converse with her about any of the natural, uh, natural loving things that I want to do in this room. Everything has been rushed and I don't want that. And I don't want to die on the table. That was the conversation. And the first thing he said was, I'm sorry. Because what you're going through has nothing to do with um, has nothing to do with economic status. It has everything to do with racism. I did my residency in the Bronx, and what I saw done to black women made me change my approach. I'm really sorry, and you're going to live through this experience. Not only that, if you get preeclampsia, we'll deal with it when it comes. And, and, and he said, and I agree with Colin Kaepernick kneeling, so let's not forget he's white. That was weird. I'll always say that, and I told him that. I told him, that was the weirdest thing you ever said, but I get what you were coming from. I, that had nothing to do with it, but okay. Um, <laughs> but, right. he def- but he definitely was a breath of fresh air to us, right? Because I was getting the opportunity to cultivate my birthing experience without feeling the load of those numbers. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can do a disservice to each other where we are numb to the numbers. And we forget, and, we, and, and, and medical professionals, black medical professionals, also treat us like numbers because they want to protect themselves. So I, my, my doula, she's black. Everybody else in my life and all my other doctors are black. But I just want to say sometimes you go for the best when you know whether they're black, white, or other, that right. you're not being treated like a human being, and I was not. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, yeah, go ahead, uh, Ebony. Oh, no, I was just going to say I can relate to um, to uh, them just looking at you and saying, because for the longest time since I've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, it's like everybody's just rubbing their hands, waiting for the moment when I need insulin. And they are mm-hmm. shocked that, wow, you still don't need insulin. Huh? I'm like, well, I, you know, no thanks to you guys. I kind of researched what. I, what needs to be done, and I kind of know how to um, finagle, you know, the diabetes system a little bit, and am able to 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 manage myself. But I can understand where there is an expectation that um, that the numbers that they're looking at is going to come to pass for you. But that that you have to be strong in that. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, the universe, God has the final say so in that as long as you're putting your best foot forward as far as what you need to do for your health, that's really all, all you can basically do. But yeah, I, I can definitely relate to the expectation that 
you know, something's going to be different. But it's just funny to me because I'm laughing every time they expect me. Oh, your sugar log is perfect. I'm like, it is, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I did that. <laughs> I did that. And it's wild because you want your doctor to have hope for you, but you've got to just have hope for yourself and really pour into yourself and not really rely on medical professions, unfortunately, professionals to do that. Um, it's messed up. I remember also when I was pregnant and I was going to my gynecologist for all my visits. And then as I got closer and closer to my due date, my doctor was not around. She was always busy. And the next thing you know, she wasn't even the one who delivered my baby. A stranger, you know, did that. Um, we had no rapport, no relationship. And it was actually a terrible experience. Um, that I do recall. And that's also why I'm like, I ain't having another baby. I don't want to go through this. <laughs> I had to be induced. And that was like two days long. And then I said, I'm not going to take no medicine. Then I was like, bring the epidural. Bring it, bring it, bring it. Just put it in my mouth. I don't care at this point. Uh, but not having the, the confidence in that medical professional was really challenging for me. That's scary because they're supposed to be the experts. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what to do if this happens, and I don't know what that means. It's jacked up that we as women as color cannot lean into that system and lean onto that system. Um, and I, I personally am really close friends with a nurse. She's studying to be a nurse practitioner. And actually outside of my own health team, I probably reach out to Jackie. Um, shout out to at the Renaissance nurse, Jackie. I probably reach out to Jackie about the most embarrassing stuff more than I talk to my own doctor. And if it's an answer that she does not have, then she will, um, you know, kind of go through her little checks and, and see. So I definitely um, advocate leaning on each other. You know, we know a lot of people that do a lot of things, whether it's mental health, whether it's just regular nursing, whether it's dietitians or, or whatever the case may be. Um, because at the end of the day, you you are the one that has to spearhead that it's unfortunate but you are the one that has to spearhead that entire birthing effort. You know, you just don't really have the luxury to sit on the health professionals. Like I think we should be able to, but it's, it's just, that's just not what it is. Yeah. And the pregnancy has provided you both with a journey and with some challenges, but also with some opportunities and a lot of growth. So what would be something that you could leave our listeners with that would say, here, inspiration um because i believe from what i'm hearing from you both is that you use your journey to inspire others right by by being transparent you both are so transparent but what is something that you guarantee you deliver to someone a message that you deliver to someone else who's pregnant i would say that having my daughter my first baby was my first real step into healing my childhood Mm. and I have learned so many things about myself. I've realized so many gaps in things that I couldn't understand why I felt this way in raising her. So I feel like being able to raise her is definitely healing little Jade every day. And when you have a child, 
you want to be the best you, right? You want to be the best person you can be. You want to be the healthiest person you can be, not only to be there for them, but to be there for yourself so you can raise these strong black women or strong women in general, right? You want to be better than you were before because you want them to be 10 times better than you. So there's a healing that occurs in raising children, whether they are um, little girls or little boys, there's a healing that happens there because you understand that it's not just about you. It's not just about that selfie. It's not just about what size you are, but I think that your life becomes something of substance. I couldn't take a selfie for about eight months after I had these. Like I really couldn't. And I couldn't figure out why. And I thought, because my life is so much bigger than this. I have this gift, right? And I want to take a selfie when I feel good. <laughs> not just when, when I look good, right? So the authenticity that came from being a mother is something I wouldn't trade for all the money or all the snatched body in the world. So know <laughs> that through this, through this journey, you heal, you become braver, you become stronger, and you become more of the person that you're expected to be. That's what I think. Beautiful, beautiful. Ebony, what gems do you have for our listeners? Um, I, I am definitely in agreement with Jade. I think that was beautiful. Um, and I think even here on this call, you have two pregnant women who are having two totally different pregnant experiences. Um, neither one is easier than the other. So I, I think the listeners should be mindful of that, that each pregnancy is different. Every woman is different. Um, it's easy to look at social media and the highlight reels and um, expect that um, maybe you should be having the same experience as another woman and maybe your experience is less because it's not the same. Um, I would encourage the woman to just really embrace her own individual experience, whatever that means, um, because it's not always um, pretty. It's not always happy. Um, it's not always uh, glowing and floral wreaths and, you know, flowing, <laughs> flowing gowns and different things like that. If you're tired, rest. If you're hungry, eat. If you're not, don't, you know, right. so. Pregnancy really teaches you um, how to value yourself because on the inside, you have somebody that is depending solely on what you have to offer, whether it's physically, spiritually, um, actual nourishment, what you're putting in your body. This little person is really dependent on that. So it it teaches you to, to really value yourself. Another thing I would say, this isn't really pregnancy, but I had a lot of moms reach out to me um, because I do have so many kids and say, oh, because it, it's this big situation. Like, oh, a Nico Hart just had a baby 48 hours ago and she got a six pack. Like, don't don't fall into that trap um, because that isn't everybody's experience with my youngest MJ. I was told that breastfeeding was going to make me lose weight. It did not. It kept me fat. And and, that's okay. and and that is okay. My body was building something to nourish my baby and that's okay. So I would say don't don't fall into the pressure of um trying to bounce back so quickly. Just enjoy yourself, enjoy your family and enjoy your baby. You know, you have time 
to be snatched. You have time for a six pack. If that's what you want, you may find that you don't even want those things, you know, once the time comes. But we just live in a, a we just live a life now where comparison is, you know, so, so much in our face and comparison is a thief of joy. So yeah. always remember that. Yeah, to, to be able to make sure that the expectations you're living up to are your own and not those of others, right? To, def- to self-define those. And I think, you know, you both said some wonderful things, like in Ebony, you know, about each pregnancy being different and unique. And and there's also, like, it's just a, a big journey. Like, I'm listening to you guys share, you know, your the challenges that you faced and you know, I'm thinking of my own journey and I had like an easy pregnancy and a pretty easy delivery um, by comparison, but I dealt with postpartum depression and anxiety, right? Like, so like uh, the beginning, like, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, this is, oh, what are people talking about? I feel great all the time, you know? And, but once Simone got here, I didn't feel so great. And it was just like, oh, wait, hold up. Like, I thought I thought I got through the hard part, right? I thought I got through the hard part. I thought I was in the clear. Like, this baby is here. I should be ready to rock and roll and knock this mother motherhood thing out. But that wasn't the case. And, you know, I think about, you know, the opening question about, you know, pregnancy being shrouded in, in secrecy and, and suffering and silence and, you know, on the other side of that, like the postpartum period, I think a lot of that crops up again, where, oh, hey, I'm not feeling like myself. Why am I crying every day? But I'm not telling anybody. I'm not telling anyone. Like Jade is my best friend for over 10 years. We talk every day about nonsense, but I didn't want to tell her that. Like in the personal shame that I, I, um, struggle with and realizing that, okay, well, it's getting to a point where it's affecting how I function. So I need to do something about it. Um, and just being, just realizing like that taking that step to be vulnerable and transparent, just as you guys have done with us today, definitely is sometimes often the window or door to healing. You have to be willing to take that step. So it sounds like pregnancy like leads to healing. So like if you like heal, just go get pregnant. Is that is that like the message? That's not the message, right? Because I have some healing. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Healing, healing is not pretty. It sounds nice because you're thinking of being healed, but healing right. and the no. is it's painful. I know. It's, it's very a lot ugly. Of crying. It's very yes. Ugly. Yes, I know. Like pregnancy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I don't so, know. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if we could jump to that conclusion, Lindsay. But, right. You know. Okay. Okay. I be checking. I be checking. You know? Too funny. Too funny. Well, I think that that's it, right? We are. We don't want to like take pages from your diary, your pregnancy diary, and then pour it all into the community. But if our community wanted to get in touch with you or to check you out, what would be the best way for them to find you on social media? So Jade, where where can they find you? I know we have She Matters. So where's the best way to get you? 
I was, can you guys hear me? Yes. 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 <laughs> I, was, I, was adding, I was adding to the conversation. You guys couldn't hear me. Oh, because I had you on mute. But go, go ahead. Yeah. You can backtrack. Wait, go ahead. Okay, I just want to backtrack a little before I get <laughs> where you can find me. Um, I'm going to say that pregnancy is not the path of <laughs> <laughs> so. If, um, but it is a part of your journey if that's what it's supposed to be. So, like, yeah. I think about um, the Vedas and the god Shiva. The god Shiva is the god of destruction. So you can only have a rebirth if you're torn down. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you'll be completely torn down, but it is sort of this, like, metamorphosis, if you will, when it comes to hormones, when it comes to the physical changes you're enduring and the change of mindset. So, um, you know, you can. this can happen through a death. This can happen through a birth. This can happen through mental illness, but... It does. It is a transformation in your life. So whether it becomes a healing journey or the path to your destruction, and you become a better person, <laughs> it's all it's all life changing, right? Um, so I wanted to say that. And everybody, you can find me on on Instagram at shematters.io. You can also go to shematters.io, um, www.shematters.io. That's our website. Um, you can go to she matters to us on Facebook and then you can personally find me at Jay Zen and that is available also on our She Matters website because I do like to have personal conversations with women who are going through um, postpartum anxiety and or depression because that's what really helped me heal. Marguerite is my best friend so I'm always blowing up her line but um, feel free to blow up my DMs with any questions you have. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks Jade. Ebony? Sure. And you can find me at astral underscore alchemistress. I'm sure they'll link it um, on Instagram. Um, the The auction for the artwork, I believe it actually closed. We did pretty good, but I'm also a commissioned artist. Um, and you can check out the art of info for the art that we featured there. Um, additionally, um, I am available to talk as well. Um, about a variety of different things. So if you go to my Instagram page, you'll see that um, dream interpretations. And um, because sometimes we have um, issues that may be bothering us and we don't know what direction we need to go in with that. And sometimes this information is delivered to us in the form of dreams and um, other messages that we're having a hard time interpreting. And that's kind of my wheelhouse. Um, so if it's anything along those lines, I'm always free um, to talk with that. But it was definitely a pleasure to talk and see you ladies today. No, thank you both so much for, for joining. I might have to uh, DM, DM you about some dream interpretation because I've got some wild dreams that I can't ever get to the bottom of. And like they recur. <laughs> like I have them multiple times. So I know the universe or God is trying exactly. to speak to me and I can't exactly. decipher it. Um, right. So this has been wonderful. This has been fantastic. So thank you both so very much. And um, I'll close this out. Like, thank you everybody for listening. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, I don't know what you're waiting on. Please hit that subscribe button. And for you to keep in touch with us, you can follow us at N-E-C-E-S-S-I-T podcasts on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.